This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, March 23, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. Does Antonin Scalia's opinion in the Rage case that allowed the federal government to intervene in purely intrastate marijuana cultivation compel him to uphold the constitutional basis of Obamacare? Cato Institute senior fellow Randy Barnett argued on behalf of Angel Rage at the Supreme Court. He offers his thoughts on the Affordable Care Act on this, the second anniversary of the law, and just a few days before the law itself goes before the Supreme Court. You make a distinction that is subtle and I think is worth worth bringing out, the idea that just because Congress is doing something unprecedented doesn't precisely make it unconstitutional. Could you draw that out a bit? Right. First of all, it is highly significant that this is something that's never been done before, which makes it literally unprecedented. Um, never before in the history of the country has the government used its commerce power to make every person engage in economic activity by entering into a contract with a private company. Um, uh, and the, the fact that it's unprecedented means there can't possibly be any Supreme Court decision that says Congress may do that. So that's, that's important. Uh, but as you say, the fact that something is unprecedented or it's done for the first time doesn't automatically mean that it's unconstitutional either. Um, except that one of the things that uh, Justice Scalia said in his, his opinion in the Prince case, which involved uh, the novel imposition of a power on state sheriffs to enforce the federal uh, Brady law, um, is that a power that's this attractive and yet has gone unused for 220 years um, uh, probably doesn't exist. That is, the lack of Congress using an attractive power for so long a time uh, suggests that that power did not exist and does not exist. So it actually does have a constitutional implication. In seeking textual support within the Constitution for the Affordable Care Act, some people point to the preamble of the Constitution. That is to say, in order to form a more perfect union, one of your the panelists today did uh, exactly that in a piece that, that she wrote. Should people be looking for textual support in the Constitution within the preamble itself? Well, you know, the government doesn't argue that in their briefs because they know uh, that the justices also uh, believe that the preamble talks about the general purposes for which the government was founded. Uh, but then, uh, in pursuit of those purposes, Congress was given limited and enumerated powers under Article One, Section 8, as well as some of the amendments, uh, like, for example, the 14th Amendment and 13th Amendment also gave Congress more powers. Um, and those are the powers that they have in order to pursue the ends that are stated in the preamble. But the preamble itself is not a freestanding source of constitutional power. Um, and uh, the Justice Department knows that and the justices know that quite well. How has uh, Justice Scalia in uh, given what he said in the Rage case, how does that limit or broaden, if he's to abide by that, what he may decide right, to This do? seems to be the uh, soundbite meme of the last week in the press. I've been asked by lots of reporters, I've seen it in a lot of punditry, that for some reason Justice Ro Chief Justice Roberts and especially Justice Scalia are bound by their prior decisions. And in Justice Scalia's case, it's his concurring opinion in the Rage case, which was the medical marijuana case, in which the court upheld the power of Congress to reach people who were growing their own marijuana as part of its prohibition on interstate marijuana. Um, I think that this is uh, uh, the very fact that the law is unprecedented. This measure is unprecedented automatically tells you that Justice Scalia can't be automatically bound to decide this case, which is a different case than the Rage case. And how is it different? It's a difference between telling my client Angel Rage that she may not grow marijuana and telling my 
client Angel Wraith that she must grow marijuana. Uh, what, just because the Congress has the power to tell her she can't do something doesn't mean that Congress has the power to tell her she must do something. And that's not something Justice Scalia was talking at all about in the Rage case, nor any of the other justices in that case or any other case. You know why? Because this is unprecedented and it's never been done before. So none of these cases are about that. The other thing I would say about Justice Scalia's opinion in the Rage case is that it was all about, under his theory of that case, whether something was essential to the broader regulation of interstate commerce under the Necessary and Proper Clause, but it was all about the word necessary in the Necessary and Proper Clause. That's why you notice essential to a broader regulatory scheme or necessary to a broader regulatory scheme. And I was very disappointed that in this case, he took a very deferential view of con Congress gets to decide uh, basically whether something's necessary uh, to its broader regulatory scheme. But that case had nothing whatsoever to do with the word proper in the Necessary and Proper Clause, which says that Congress has the power to make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution its foregoing powers. Nothing in the Rage case has anything to do with proper. And in the Prince case I mentioned a minute ago, Justice Scalia said that in a mandate imposed on local sheriffs that they must enforce federal law, that mandate was a uh, was beyond Congress's enumerated commerce power to enact. And if you were going to argue that it was necess necessary under the Necessary and Proper Clause, even if it was, it was still an improper exercise of power. That was Justice Scalia who made that distinction. He's more than capable of making that distinction again. But one last thing about that. I think the reason why we're getting this spin in the last week or so is not because people in the punditry think that they're going to influence the justices in how they're going to decide this case because I think they know as well as I do that these sorts of things in the press don't influence the justices one way or the other. I think they're setting up so uh, for a loss. I mean, I think that their professions of being very confident that they're going to win this case are actually being betrayed by the fact that they are now saying they're setting up an argument that once they lose this case, they'll be able to say that Justice Scalia was merely acting politically because he was disregarding his previous ruling, as was Chief Justice Roberts acting politically as a way of delegitimating the, the decision in this case and delegitimating the Supreme Court of the United States if it should find that the individual mandate is unconstitutional and setting it up for the next political election. Randy Barnett is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. You can learn more about the Affordable Care Act at Cato.org.